Hello, 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 Gorney, Farrell, Godfather, Gorney. Um, hello, 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 boss. Um, ready? Yeah, we just did the Muschamp video uh, yesterday, Mike, and you were wearing the same shirt. I have seven hoodies, all right, in different yeah. colors. Blue, black, uh, maroon. I did an outfit change yesterday, though, where right. I, wore, I wore, I think, this one early in the morning and then a blue one in the afternoon, but I'm not going to keep up with it. So yeah. I'm going to be wearing the same crap all over, you know, year-round, so I don't care. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, you're right. Um, so how exhausting is it for Tom Herman to keep shooting down these Urban Meyer, uh, you know, rumors and reports? And, and that's the thing. And this is the thing with the Urban Meyer rumors and reports at every school. Um, where are they coming from? Who, who, is, who is floating this out there? Why are we to believe this? Uh, he left for medical reasons, and it looks like legit medical reasons this time. Um, would he really want the Texas job? Um, you know, I, it's got to be exhausting for him. But you said it hurts recruiting, and I don't think it hurts recruiting at all. Um, how, how could it? If, if, if people come there and they get Tom Herman, then that's who they got. And if they don't, they get Urban Meyer as a backup, and that's a pretty good backup. No, no, no. no. I'm going to tell you why it hurts recruiting, because it's Urban Meyer, okay? So here's, here's why it hurts recruiting. So first of all, anything's – said about Urban Meyer makes the front page of every website, newspaper, whatever, right? Yeah. Social media platform. So it's not like, uh, yeah, Tom Herman might be replaced and we have no idea who that person could be, right? So it gets more attention than it would if there's an unknown. Uh, the second part about it is, yeah, Urban Meyer, great. And, and kids would be excited about that. But there's also the question of, you know, how long would Urban Meyer be in for? And, you know, I know kids think three to four years, but, um, you know, the last two stops he's left for health reasons. And it just puts a, it puts a shadow on the program that isn't necessary right now. Tom Herman, had he lost the Oklahoma State game, would have been fired. Okay. I think. Maybe not then, but by the end of the season, for sure. I mean, we all had our stories written and ready. Yeah. Had he lost Texas Tech, he'd have three losses now and be done. But they can still win the Big 12. So right now, you know, telling recruits, don't worry about Urban, this, that, and the other, um, it's exhausting, but it's also getting so much attention because it's Urban Meyer. And I think that's why it hurts recruiting. Now, let me ask you this. If Texas opens and USC opens, which I'm sure we're going to get to, if you're Urban Meyer and you want to get back into coaching, which is the better job? I'm going to, I'm, I'm taking Texas and I'll, I'll tell you why USC, you know, when Pete Carroll was there, you know, and, and even Lane Kiffin and Sark to an extent, pick and choose South, South Southern California guys, right? Yeah, Recruiting yeah. is a layup easy as can be, but I just, I sense it's more difficult to win a national championship with mostly West coast guys. And of course, P. Carroll had, you know, some some players from around the country, you know, Keith Rivers, Dwayne Jarrett, and um, who's a wide receiver, Moore from uh, Florida, you know, on and on that, that helped. In this day and age, in this generation, I don't think it's as easy to win a national championship with Southern California kids as it would be to recruit Texas 
and the surrounding areas and dig into the SEC. So that's why I would take the Texas job. So <clears throat> I, couple points there. I think that if you had Bryce Young, JT Daniels, and DJ as your quarterbacks, Najee Harris and Stephen Carr as your running backs, Amon Ra, Tyler Vons, Michael Pittman as your wide receivers, Justin Flo, Noah Sewell, Kayvon Thibodeau on your defense. I mean, it, we're, Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore. I mean, all of those guys have left. All of those guys have gone elsewhere, pretty much. Uh, all yeah. of them. Yeah. I, I, think, I think you win the Pac-12 without a problem. I think the Pac-12 champion undefeated gets in without question. And the Texas job is harder because the expectations are so high, so unreasonably high. You're the second best team at best in your own conference. And I think the margin is quite wide. And then everybody comes into Texas and Texas A&M is tougher. LSU is getting guys out of there. Alabama, Oklahoma has come in and gotten Weiss and Bridges and all of those guys. I just think that job is so tough to win. The margin is so small at Texas. Where at USC, if you keep kids home, you're going to go undefeated. But people are raiding California now and taking all those That's kids. That's also true. You know, I mean, That's also true. you're still – But would they if Urban was the coach? Yeah, well, if Urban was the coach at Texas, do you think those kids would be leaving Texas? I don't know. I, I, I think maybe some would. And plus you got a 10-team 10, 10 conference with That's one true. good team in it. Yeah. Uh, which they've already showed you that you can have one loss and go to the playoff. The Pac-12 is diminished in clout. Now, Urban would help bring that back up, but you could easily, you know, lose one game in the Pac-12 and be left out, even yeah. if you're Urban Meyer. And, you know, the resiliency is just not – I just don't see it. Like, let's say you lose a game you're not supposed to lose out west – they're just going to quit. See, I think that's the mentality now. Um, so why, do they, why are all these great players very average at USC? If they're so great, why, don't, why aren't they better? Because no one's demanding greatness from them because LA is an easy place to live and have a good time, and it's easy here, you know? So, uh, but if you have a coach that demands greatness of you, that promises you to get to the league, that all of those things – yeah. I mean, there's absolutely no reason for USC's team that has all that talent to go to Arizona and struggle in that game. Or even to have Arizona State come in with basically a brand new team other than Jaden Daniels and a few guys on defense. And you have to pull a miracle out of your butt to, to win that game at home in the season opener. Um, but if I'm Urban Meyer and I'm in, the, I'm in the twilight of my career and this is my, potentially my last stop, do I really want to deal with kids who need to be motivated that much no that's true too we know listen this isn't a generalization jonah williams comes from california right he went to alabama he would rip my head off and go yes. down my neck in a second yes he's an animal there, there are yes. many like that Najee harris is a beast right but justin flow is a beast beast you know but there are there are a lot of them out there a lot of guys out there that are like, nah. I mean, you know, look at USC hasn't produced. We were talking about the tight end position recently. They haven't produced a good tight end since 2013. Uh, they haven't put a wide receiver in the first round of the NFL draft since when? I mean, Juju's doing well, but he wasn't a first rounder, was he? Um, it's just, I don't know. It's a tougher sell out there. Uh, I also think you have more, uh, obviously you have more, 
passion in Texas and Austin. You have, um, you know, better facilities for sure. Um, and you also have booster money that you don't have at USC. Like USC is like, yeah, it's cool, but you know, we've got two pro teams now that we don't care about either. And, you know, we're going to go hang out and, you know, go to a movie premiere or something instead of go to right. a game. Whereas Texas is like, oh my God, Texas is playing tonight. We're going to be there. I just think it's an easier sell. So that that's my opinion. I think Urban Meyer would do great at either place. But um, yeah, we are going to talk Clay Helton. But Tom Herman, so this is the, the situation. It's, you know, when he's getting asked questions about Urban Meyer, yeah, typically, when he's really technically not a, a dead man walking or a guy who's going to take a job like Scott Frost at UCF was asked about a Nebraska job or some other jobs numerous times uh, throughout that season because um, everybody knew he was going to leave after that year. You know, right. Will Muschamp can be asked about his job security <clears throat> over and over again, you know, because everybody knew he was going to be fired. We don't know what's going to happen with Tom Herman. He could win the Big 12 and stay. But now he's getting specific questions about Urban Meyer. It seems there's some some group that wants him gone, and they feel Urban Meyer is the way to sort of get it done. But I, I just don't – I've never seen anything linked with Urban Meyer to Texas. No. There's no connections there that I know of. Other than that he recruited Texas very well, and Tom Herman was his, his, his you know, offensive coordinator and all that. But – it's just isn't he out isn't he out on the west coast now yeah he's doing fox pregame show okay. from la and that was kind of the theory last year is that helton was gone there was no chance of helton coming back and the reason urban was doing the fox show in the first place was uh not that he needed extra money it was that he wanted to see if he could live in la he wanted to kind of sell it on shelly his wife if she wanted to move to la you know you've heard things before that He's never going to coach again. His health is too much of a risk. He's been told by family members that he can't coach anymore. And, and we saw what happened to him in his last couple of years at Ohio State. It was actually kind of sad. I mean, he was standing on the sidelines with his head in his hands. He, you know, he had actual medical issues that were very problematic. Stress is he cannot handle stress very well. I think we've seen that from his Florida and his Ohio State days, you know, that's why I think USC is a great job because it's easy to win here and you don't have to leave town to recruit at Texas. It's a real challenge. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I still think if he goes to USC, the expectations quadruple <clears throat> and he's expected to roll out top recruiting classes every year. And he's also expected to roll out national championship teams. Um, yeah. You know, so it doesn't matter whether it's Texas or USC. And if he loses, yeah, people might not care as much because it is, you know, uh, the West Coast. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not as crazy about football in L.A. Uh, as they are in Austin, but still a lot of pressure. And it wasn't sad. There's no sadness. I don't, I don't, I don't feel sad. This is what you sign up for, you know, as a head football coach. I meant sad in the sense that when you see someone struggling medically and he won't and he continues to do it, it's pitiful, not sad as like I was breaking down and crying. So you think he's pitiful? 
No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, I listen, I, I don't feel like Will Muschamp, you know, obviously he got canned and all the players are upset and kids are opting out and he's the nicest guy you've never met, blah, 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 all this other stuff. You know, he's not that raging lunatic on the sidelines. And, yeah, let's not forget his buyout was 13 million. It was 15, but then it got down to 13 because I think he, he subside, uh, you know, helped um, supplement some salaries for his assistant coaches, but $13 million goodbye. I don't feel sad for him. I'm Mike, just think about this. If you make $130,000 a year, you live a very yeah. comfortable life and can do anything. 100 years, 100 years for just his buyout. Right. Just his buyout. And then there's people, you know, it, 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 that get upset, you know, like we, oh, well, you know, we wanted him gone, but we didn't really want him gone mid-season. And now we feel <laughs> bad. And it's like, don't feel bad. Like, that's just life. You're signed up to win football games. Yes. You paid millions of dollars to do it. Yes. Do it. And yes. if you can't, we'll find somebody maybe who can. So and, co and coaches know this world. I mean, I know some coaches in my like personal life. My wife is friends with someone who was a coach for many years, and they know they know the deal. Like fans believe the coach comes there and they absolutely love the school and it was their dream job and they they can't live without it. It's just the next job in a whole long line. Look at every coach in the world, basically, their resume. They're at 25 schools. They're bouncing here and there. They're moving their families around. That's the, that's the life they signed up for. They know the deal. And it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you look at Ryan Day, who went from, you know, Boston College at first, then down to Florida, then back up to Boston College. Then he went to the pros, and I think he was with the – I think he was with the Eagles a little bit for Chip Kelly, but he de definitely was with San Francisco for Chip Kelly. Then he's back at Ohio State. And, yeah. you know, I, I just know a billion coaches who have stories just like that, where their family has to up and move every few years. And, and that's the way it goes. Um, and people also think that, you know, head coaching is an easy job. It's horrible. It's horrible, horrible job. Assistant coaching is worse. Recruiting is an awful thing. Um, and, you know, you should get paid quite a bit for it because you're working constantly seven days a week all the time. But again, the bottom line is if you don't win, which segues me to Jim Harbaugh, get out, stop taking money that you don't deserve. I mean, listen, if I were in his situation, I wouldn't stop either. If they said, I'm going to pay you $8 million and, you know, you're a Michigan man and you can go one and three to start the season or whatever the hell they are. I would still take the money, but you got to, you got to figure out a time where it just enough is enough. And, and I think it's enough at Michigan. Um, you know, what if he comes back and wins five games and goes, you know, five and four or whatever. I mean, is that really enough to bring him back? Enough at Michigan. He won nine games last year, 10 games the year before that. He has three triple digit win seasons at Michigan since he got there. I mean, of course, this year is not going well, but, but it's you know, one of the ones they want. He hasn't won the Big Ten. He hasn't they're won. not beating Ohio State routinely. They're not. It's well, just not going ever, to happen. Whatever. 16 of the last 20 they lost. Right. So, but again, you're paying this guy Nick Saban money. Right. That's the problem. And the team, and this is where we also disagreed. And I think Jim Harbaugh is a 
fine coach and Don Brown is a terrific coach and obviously knows the game for being in it this long. And Josh Gaddis is okay, I guess, but they're, of course they're getting out coached. I mean, it's not that they don't have good players. It's they're not either. They're not utilizing their players, which has been a problem. Look at Donovan Peoples Jones's entire career there or, or they're just being out coached. Something is going on. Something is going on there because you yeah, know, the players aren't buying in, which is a coaching issue it's or they're being out coached. Well, that's the thing. Again, yes, everything is a coaching issue. It comes down to everything is a coaching issue. You know, whether they're not buying in or trying is a coaching issue. So when I did say that in fact of fiction, it was tongue in cheek that this isn't a coaching, this is a belief issue. Right. No, Dax, I know. Hill, Dax Hill just came out and admitted that we have to try harder, you know, and he's one of the leaders on defense and he knows mm -hmm. there's a couple guys on defense that are really trying and picking things up and the rest are just walking through it and not giving their all and, and anytime adversity hits them, you know, and that's not supposed to happen under Harbaugh in the Midwest with Don Brown. I mean, these are, these are long-standing, very intense football coaches that demand excellence. And basically their players are saying, well, we fell down 14, nothing in Wisconsin. So what are we going to do? I mean, it's over. Nothing. We Getting can do. crushed by Wisconsin is, is concerning, but the real concerning loss there is Michigan state because Michigan state's bad. Yeah, they're Michigan horrible. State is just horrible. And you right were waiting now. for Michigan to take that game over. Yeah. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And that was more of an offensive issue than it was a defensive issue. I mean, they didn't give up a billion points. But the defense can't hold up forever when you're three and out every second. So, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's issues everywhere. Um, other guys in the hot seat. I mean, Helton's 2-0. and <laughs> And he should be on the hot seat because they stink. And and they got – their five remaining games in conference are all just nothingness. I mean, Utah yeah. is the best team, and I think they play them this weekend. He's going to go – he's going to go 6-1 and one or 7-0, and oh, and he's going to go to the Pac-12 title game, and they're not going to be able to fire him. I know. And I think that is sort of the issue. Like – They should have got rid of him last year. They had a great opportunity to do so when the recruiting was so horrible. And they didn't have a great season. When I used to cover Florida, Mike, Jeremy Foley was the AD there. And he had a, a line that stuck with me. He said, if I have to do something one day, then I'll do it today. Because this is exactly, exactly the situation. We know Clay Helton is not the long-term solution here. So get rid of him now. Get rid of him now. Move on and figure it out from there. Because you're going to be stuck with him again. And, you know, recruiting is much better this year than it was last year, but they finished with the dead last class last year in the, in the recruiting rankings. And for people that don't know that listen to this podcast, the team rankings are not formulated by us. It's a computer model. So the ranking goes in and all the rankings get crunched together and it spits out where the team rankings go. And so <clears throat> they just had a very bad class last year. Um, they're, they're, they have a much better class this year. But the people on the field have a ton of talent and they just look like they either go through the motions, don't want to go through the motions, or don't really care if they're losing the game late and they have to have a last second touchdown to win it. And there are some recruiting classes that are highly ranked that are like smoke and mirrors. And yeah. This is one of them for USC. Uh, yeah. You know, there's too much of a reliance upon the state of Texas, which shouldn't be the case. Uh, there's still you know, the top players in, in California that aren't looking at them. They're, they're not pulling any. Remember when, when, when an offer from USC to an East Coast kid used to mean that you made it? 
Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and Keith Rivers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian Cushing or whoever, yeah. you know, Percy Harvin got a USC offer and he was excited about it at first. But it's one of those things now where you can offer everybody because they moved, you know, the, the written offer date back and you can blanket offers out there. And when a kid gets a USC offer, they don't care. It's yeah. not, they're like blessed. They might, they put up the same freaking thing on Twitter that they would if they get a James Madison offer. And it's and free trip to the beach. That's how they see it. Kind of sad. Um, now that's sad. That's pitiful and sad. Um, I don't feel sorry for them because again, they've created this problem, but you know, those who said we weren't going to lose coaches in COVID were wrong. Muschamp's gone. I think others will as well. I think Herman has one game. He's one game away from being fired. Um, I think Clay Helton, if he loses a game he shouldn't, which he already should have. I mean, they should have lost the game against Arizona. They should have um, lost both. Yeah, yeah, they had to come back late. Arizona yeah. State was a miracle comeback. Um, I think he's going to lose a game, you know, that, that he shouldn't lose and, and, you know, maybe lose two games and that'll – that'll finish him off too. But um, is there anybody else out there that's like in trouble? That's in real trouble. Yeah, like Dave Doran's doing well at NC State. He was on. Yeah, no, he's, he's fine. I think he's fine. Manny um, Diaz has righted the ship. Not that he was on the hot seat, but, you know, last year, those embarrassing losses, if he had a, you know, if they had a bad season this year, he'd be in trouble. Mike Norvell, he'll be on the hot seat next year for sure. Um, but I'm trying to think of other guys. I mean, Fuente, they're not happy with Fuente at Virginia Tech. Which the is incredible. Base, well, the fan base doesn't like it because he can't recruit his own state and has yeah. never really made efforts, according to many, to make inroads with the important programs in the state. So kids are leaving. And, and you know, he's got the perfect opportunity because he's got Bronco Mendenhall there and his staff who had zero ties to the state of Virginia. And so Virginia Tech could have taken it over. If Beamer were there, they would have taken over that state. Um, but now he can't recruit, and they're not winning. I've got two names for you, Mike. Go ahead. Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. But do, does anybody care? I don't think so, but you can't be that bad. You, and against Kentucky, they actually showed some heart. But other than that, they've been bad. Lovey Smith at Illinois. Just got a big victory, though. Big victory. Huge and then over Rutgers. We will see how the LSU situation plays out with that order. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one, too. And that's one of those situations where I don't know anything about it. I don't have any inside information. I just know that, uh, obviously, people are rushing to convict prior to hearing any information out there. And, you know, I, I know the, the process of investigation at the college level yeah um to bypass it is really really difficult you know uh, br what Bryles did was hard to do because you you've got people who aren't involved in athletics that are involved in these decisions and that you know and, and you've also got local police and to to handle that and and you know bury it is very very difficult to do so we'll see how that shakes out um you know, but yeah, it's not going to be a super crazy year for hot seat stuff. No. Um, you know, but there will be a few coaches that get fired. So let's segue back to your old gig at Florida. Why isn't Kyle Trask getting the uh, respect and attention he should from the Heisman voters? I mean, not voters, but in these Heisman polls, I saw, you know, Trask emerges onto the list. 
Like, yeah. It took, what, five touchdowns against Arkansas or six touchdowns against Arkansas? Six, yeah. You know, why? And he has more touchdowns. I, I think we both saw this that, you know, he has more touchdowns at this time than Joe Burrow did last year. In all uh, SEC play now, too. And they should – let me think about this. Yeah, they should play just as many games – no matter what, they're going to play the same amount of games because, well, no, Burrow would have played one more. If, if Florida doesn't make the playoff, Burrow would have played one more game. But, but still, I mean, Burrow was a clear-cut winner last year. There wasn't really even a debate about it this year. I think Fields, if his numbers keep padding, yeah, I, I, I have the sense that Ohio State's going to open up a can this weekend on, on Indiana. I just have the sense that they're tired of hearing about Indiana. And Indiana has already made their season by what they've done. Um, but Fields, Lawrence, I don't know if he's going to have the time to do it. Um, so I think Trask is, is definitely the leader right now. Well, um, Mac is, Mac Jones is up there too, but he, Mac Jones. he missed a week because of, you know, because of the COVID cancellation of the, or postponement of the game. And, uh, you know, so he's suddenly forgotten, but, but nobody seems to be giving Trask the, the credit that he deserves there. And, and I thought we would have a running back in the discussion still at this point but that's been eliminated I mean there's no running back that has a shot at the Heisman so um it comes down to the quarterbacks you know Zach Wilson's in there too but he's not going to win it so I think Trask just deserves a little bit more respect that being said I still have him fourth in the college football at the quarterback position when it comes to overall ability and talent and that's behind Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields and Sam Howell and people hate on me for Howell because they just don't know how good he is and what he's doing he's been sacked 22 times this season. Trask, Mac Jones, um, Fields, and Lawrence combined haven't been sacked that much. He's, he's got no offensive line. He doesn't have any protection. And he's still putting up insane, crazy numbers. He had seven touchdowns last week. Um, and he's third in the nation in passing yardage. Uh, with He's got six picks. But again, being pressured like that, I think Howell's doing an amazing job. I have no problem with that order. I would put Trask ahead of it just based on competition. And we'll see how Howell does against Notre Dame's defense. That'll be an interesting give and take. I actually think North Carolina, if anybody other than Clemson in the second, in the rematch, um, would be the biggest threat because they can score. Because North Carolina can really put the pressure on, on Notre Dame to have to, to, have to keep pace. Um, yeah. And we'll see. But, um, you know, Howell has been a surprise. I was not thrilled with him in high school. Obviously, he's gotten in better shape. Um, you know, it looks like, thank God, he didn't go to Florida State because that would have just continued to be a mess there. I wonder if he could have been sort of the spark plug to get that offense going. I, I fear not. Um, I just don't know if they have the playmakers to get it done, or especially or the offensive line. So like, uh, He was the Steven Garcia of his time. <laughs> A guy that looked like, you know, he just rolled out of bed after a 15-beer night. and Yeah, with the keg still on, on the floor. Yeah, and decided to sling the ball around the next day and, and really had a lot of arm talent and ability and all that stuff. But, uh, but he's certainly uh, not the tallest quarterback in the world, and, and he doesn't have the best arm. He has a good arm. Um, but the intangibles are there for sure. And if you look at his – Stats versus Trevor Lawrence's stats through their first X amount of games in their career. He's blowing them away. Um, yeah. But he doesn't get the attention because North Carolina's defense is so bad. I mean, what did Wake Forest put up, 50 or something? Yeah, so bad. So bad. 
I mean, and, and it, help is on the way. This is a good defensive class for UNC, but my goodness, it's just really, if you, if you want to, and I, I'm so stupid I don't, because I, I, every bet I pick is wrong. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make money, just take the over in the North Carolina game, period, <laughs> no matter what. And, and I'm too stupid to do it. Last week I took the Hokies because somebody told me Vegas knows something because they shouldn't be favored against Miami. Uh, they shouldn't be minus two over a top 10 team. I got the Hokies. And then that comes down to uh, they lose by one and they were favored yeah. by two. I took that Boston College. Frustrating. Easy lock. BC's playing Wells Crowther and the Red Bandana game. And this is a, this is a rivalry game for Boston College. And they're at home and blah, blah, blah. And they missed covering by 1.2. So I have actually quit uh, gambling. I'm still going to make picks. But okay. people you gotta You got to stay on the horse, Mike. If, if the spread is going this way, but the money's going this way, always the, follow the money. Best time to pay attention to that garbage. Can you text me and let me know where the money's going? Yeah, I know you do. So text me and say, listen, the money is going. Now, again, you're wrong about, I mean, the money was going to Miami. No, the money was going to Virginia Tech. That's the thing. The spread was going to Miami. The money was going to Virginia Tech, which means money is on Virginia Tech. The bet is on Virginia Tech. Follow the money. That's all that matters. I think the money was on Miami because they saw that line and people thought it was a sucker line. And then an idiot like me thinks that somebody in Vegas knows something. And uh, I was still waiting for like some sort of muffed handoff or, or, or punt or something. Or get into field goal range. Yeah. On that final something drive. To, to like, yeah, because Vegas knows. So Vegas has to do something here. You, you can't know? win them all. No, I don't win any. It sucks. I'm so tired of it. Joe Goodman, who I used to work with in Florida, used to make picks for the Miami Herald. He works in Alabama now. And he used to think about what he thought was going to happen in the game and bet the other way because he was so wrong so often and he'd he'd actually win. So I've thought of that, but it's so hard to do because like, like I I was going to take the Sunday, um, the Packers were laying 14 against Jacksonville, right? And it was Mm -hmm. 40 mile an hour wins in Lambeau. And, you know, Jacksonville can't run the ball. And their quarterback, I don't even know where he came from or who he is. I don't, can't even tell you his name right now. It's something with a T. Jake Luton? Oh, something with an L. Um, Jake Luton. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is easy. Absolute, you know, 14 is a crappy line. I don't like that. That's one to stay away from. But, no, I mean, Green Bay is going to kill him. Aaron Rodgers can – his ball cuts through 40-mile-an-hour wins. And Aaron, Aaron Jones is healthy. And they won by four. If you think it's too easy, it probably is. I just shouldn't think anymore. I just shouldn't do it. If the line's 14 and a half, if the line's four, if the line's 13 and a half, take the team to cover 14. If the line's 14 and a half, it'll be a blowout. Like anything you think looks like, oh, 14 and a half. I don't want that. I don't want the hook. I don't want that half line. Blowout coming. They'll win by 28 points. It's just the way it is. Cause, cause they like sucker bets. Cause they go 14. Oh, they'll cover. They'll lose. 31-17, but no, they'll lose 41-17. I don't know. But how else it's am I going to make money if I don't gamble? Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, we're not going to make money off, what do we make, like, three bucks off this YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. I got to gamble. I got to. I mean, I got helmets to buy. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, I've, I decided after a really rough Saturday 
and, and a rough early game on Sunday to take it easy. So I didn't take Minnesota last night, which I should have. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I've just got to regroup. So, all right, let's talk recruiting real quick. Smile. Who's going to be smiling tomorrow? UGA, I think. Yeah. So, so Smile Munden is uh, announcing, but probably by the time you see this, because this will come out sometime tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Um, you know, Tennessee made a push as they did with the Marius Mims and some other people, but they fell short, I think. Auburn was always in there, but Auburn really shot themselves in the foot early this season with what should have been, you know, multiple losses uh, to Arkansas and Ole Miss. And, you know, UGA isn't recruiting the way they have the last three years. And we've talked about that window opening for Florida, and I think it is. But, you know, this is another in-state kid that's just really hard to get out of state and it's just not going to happen so you know Kirby's going to have the talent somebody did point out to me on Twitter and not point out because I, I kind of know this but you know nobody does less with more than UGA lately um, our, our rankings you know we had Texas number one in 20, 2002 Saban won a recruiting title in the early 2000s USC uh, Oklahoma then Florida then USC you know, and then the Alabama run. Yeah. And they all won national championships. Yeah. And uh, UGA has won three straight recruiting titles and they've got to the national championship game. They were one play away, but they have one. And I think that window's closed. And now we're going to start to see things change a little bit. I think uh, recruiting wise, where it's going to be more difficult for them to win these battles because Mims wasn't a lock. Broderick Jones last year came down to the wire. Um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how UGA recruits moving forward, but they will get the smiley man. Well, it's tough for, uh, it's a tough world for Kirby because he has the number one recruiting classes and they went 12 and two last year and won the sugar bowl and people aren't <laughs> happy with it. That's another school where the expectation is either national championship or you're a bum. Well, he has a worse record than uh, Mark Rick to his first X amount of games. That's also true. That's, you know, and everybody wanted Rick gone after, you know, what, eight years or something because he couldn't win a national championship. So, yeah, it's, it's, t- that's a tough job. But, um, you know, I, I, I feel that Alabama is in a great spot recruiting wise, and that's not going to change. I think Florida is on the come up when it comes to recruiting. Um, yes. This Florida State is just, I mean, we're talking three star city before the shutdown when they were actually allowed to host junior days and stuff like that. And, and, and even last summer when they had their summer camp, the level of talent coming to Tallahassee to visit was just so bad yeah. uh, compared to years previous. Uh, Miami can recruit and they're doing well in South Florida, but I think that's also COVID related. Um, so I think Florida's in a, in a really good spot here, but I don't know, you know, who that team is going to be in the West that, that unseats Alabama. LSU did it one year clearly are not close to that again so I think you know as long as Nick Saban's there Alabama is going to be continually the, the the you know right up there and I think they're going to win the recruiting title this year so I think they're going to be back at number one well that's the thing it's not only that Nick Saban is maybe the greatest college football coach of all time um, he's maybe the greatest recruiter of all time too and it sells itself I understand that but I mean he gets and anybody he wants pretty much loses here and there, maybe one or two guys. 
It's kind of like Tiger Woods. You know, when he used to lose a tournament, you were shocked. Yeah. He was so good. When he he got a 10 on the par three. I did. I did see that. I did see that. And I've never done that. I want to play for Saban and it's not going to change. And that's not Kirby smart, not being a good coach or a recruiter. It's that he's going up against the, maybe the greatest of all time. Oh, uh, one other guy on the hot seat too. I want to throw this name out to you. David Shaw. <laughs> no chance. I know they don't, they don't do things like that at Stanford, but I will tell you, they suck. They, they're terrible. They're horrible. This is another coach. And I, and, and he coaches the way I want people to coach. He looks at his play sheet and he calls the game and he never looks up and he shows no emotion. That's what I want. Okay. Like NFL coaches, like the professionals. Okay. But when you're down two touchdowns and you're showing no like feeling that the offense needs to move or do anything, it's like, we put this plan in place. If we're down three touchdowns, if we're up three touchdowns, we're going to do the same exact thing late into the fourth quarter. There's no excuse for Stanford losing to Colorado. There's just no excuse. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer the, the phony fake antics of a Will Muschamp or the, the, the I don't really, I'm too smart for the room antics of David Shaw? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is the thing with David Shaw. And my interactions with him have been great at like Pac-12 Media Days. You ask him a smart question, he gives you a smart answer. But he does come off with that, sen- that Stanford sense of, look, I'm smarter than you. I will beat you. And then, you know, he doesn't win the game. Well, imagine the get back coach for David Shaw. Yeah, I know. No, I, I would absolutely prefer David Shaw because the like other way is Chihuahua. just so you could like tie a little dog to him. <laughs> My dog, like an iPad on there or something. Yeah, something, anything will hold it back. All I remember is this and talking about football and people not understanding what football is like out here. When, when I first moved out here, like two years later, I had to cover the Stanford, Oregon game for Yahoo for some weird reason. And right before the game, I walked in toward the student section in the press box. And all the students were literally sitting on the ground on computers doing work. Mm. And I was like, look, I went to Penn State. Those people had hats with beer cans going out with straws and they're chugging stuff and fired up. This was, that was not the same experience no. at the Oregon Stanford games. Nerd Nation, man. I mean, that's yeah. their, their, one of their hashtags is Nerd Nation. But they were good. They were a physical pro-style team that could knock you around. And it wasn't just McCaffrey, you know. Yeah, no. Bryce Love. It was, it was Toby Gerhardt. And it was like, we're going to come and pound the ball and we're going to play tough defense. They were like the Wisconsin, the Pac-12. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what they were. You couldn't name a defensive player, but they were all good. Um, and they just lined it up and, and bashed your head in. And now they just can't. So, you know, again, South Carolina is going to hire an offensive coach. I would assume because they need offense. Yeah. I, I wonder if the, you know, if the, if the Brent Venables of the world will ever get jobs. I mean, Luke Fickle is obviously a good coach and he's a defensive guy, but more and more we're going to see offensive coaches because you can't play that way apparently in college football at all. Even Alabama's changed. So that kind of well, sucks. I think that's Georgia's struggles too, is Georgia wants to sort of play that way. I like that type of football though you know the no, problem is titles that way and no quarterback can work under center because one of the keys to <laughs> you're getting me on an old man rant now one of the keys to power football is play acting right sell the mm-hmm. run throw to pass mm-hmm. play action from the shotgun is stupid yeah it's so easy to read 
you know. Right. But then they created the zone read, but that's not a pass thread either. It's either uh-huh. I'm going to keep it or I'm going to give it to this guy. Where are the guys working under center? When you have a great offensive line, you got a great running backs, and your power football team who can fake a handoff, pull up the defense, and, and beat you over the top. There's just no quarterbacks. You know, even Trevor Lawrence, you know, isn't under center. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, um, you know, you can't bring in a uh, – how many high schools are running that? A lot of high schools are, have completely oh, gone away from it. Shotgun. So you can't bring in a quarterback and then train him differently – and then he'll have the grasp of it. By the time he leaves, it'll be too late. So you're, you're kind of forced into it. And that's why I give Saban so much credit is because remember like seven, eight years ago, he was complaining that players' health will be at risk because of all the plays that are being run and this isn't football and all that kind of stuff. And he said, okay, I have to change because the game is changing. And he changed. Yeah. I mean, seven, eight years ago, they would have never draft or uh, recruited somebody like Tua. Never, never in a million years. No. And now he's changed yeah. and they score a million points. And they have last year, they had the three best receivers, maybe in all of college football. And this year they, they have the same thing and he's changed and it's working and they're going to be back in the national championship. But it just, it just, no, I get it. I get it. It's, it's like watching seven on seven. It's frustrating as hell. I mean, again, you see teams with, even in the NFL teams with strong running games that, you know, the quarterbacks don't have the ball skills. And, and people used to say, you know, we used to grade quarterbacks on ball skills back in the day. Uh, and everybody says, what's that? What's a ball? He doesn't have to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's how well he, you know, uh, fooled you when yeah. he was doing play action. And some of them were masters at it. You know, Troy Aikman was one of the best play action guys ever. And, and, and now it's just a lost art and now it's just throw it around. So, you know, David Shaw, I respected his teams, the way they played. It was fun to watch, you know, Wisconsin's still fun to watch, but now, you know, they got Mertz. They would yeah. probably wouldn't have gotten a Mertz had they not said, we're going to change our offense and throw the ball around more. So I think we're seeing the end of that. Now, will it ever revert back to run only? Like, cause not run only, but, we had the days of power football. Then we moved to the, the, the run and shoot. Then we moved to the spread. What's next? Like no offensive linemen. I mean, they're going to, are they, are they going to allow change the illegal formation rule? And, and just, is this going to be like eight receivers down the field? You know what I just hate? I hate, and Mike, you have to look at me for this quarterback snaps and that does this for four seconds to see what the defensive end does. And then the defensive end just smashes into the mesh point and tries to tackle them both or hold them up. It's just ugly to watch, you know. I just like whatever. I, I think know. the zone. I think the zone read is hard. To yeah, me, I think it's hard too. Yeah, but it's not. It's simple to the quarterbacks. But you and I, who can't chew gum and walk at the same time, to me, I'm reading whether their end's crashing down or not. And you got to make that split decision and not fumble the ball and take the ball away from the running back. I know, but the the way they're teaching it now is to not even crash or go after the quarterback. It's just to hit the mesh point, just go after the ball, and then you don't have to make a decision, and then the quarterback can't make a decision. Sean Clifford fumbled like that last weekend, and it was despicable. Well, anybody who puts Sean Clifford in a zone read situation has a problem. I'm telling you, something's going on at Penn State. I don't know if it's James Franklin not getting this on the same page with his new offensive coordinator. I don't know if it's the coordinators. I, I think the play calling has been – god awful the last few weeks 
You had well, twice, twice. You had first and down, first and ten from the eleven to go in to score. They threw four passes. They had first and goal from the nine, didn't score to win the game to tie the my, game. My theory is they got lucky with um, McSorley. Yeah, they might have. The recruiting, quarterback recruiting there has been bad for a long time since Hackenberg. You know, and Hackenberg looked good as a freshman, and then obviously Bill O'Brien took off, and Hackenberg started to suck after that. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't recruit good quarterbacks since then. You know, remember the O'Connor kid, and and Shorley was a safety to most people out of high school. Yeah. And, you know, um, on and on, just not great quarterbacks. And and they got lucky because they had a good play caller, um, Moorhead, and they had McSorley who had this very very natural, instinctual ability to know when to run, when to throw, and when to draw the defense up and make plays like a magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without that, you know, and of course the threat of Saquon Barkley, but without that, uh, this offense is very easy to stop and and limit. And I just don't know what the change is going to be. I mean, it's it's a it's a quarterback issue to me because they have wide receivers who can run. They have an offensive line that's okay. Um, they've had a stable of running backs. No Journey Brown gone, and Noah Kane hurt. That hurts, you know. But they've still got talented running backs but it all comes down to quarterback play and that's why they can't win and I think it hurts that Juwan Johnson and Justin Shorter transferred out I think that hurts too but but that's on the coaches too I mean because Justin Shorter you know again he's not lighting up the world of Florida but he caught a touchdown pass he showed a pulse yeah this was a kid who looked like a cyborg in high school see this is another issue that we were just talking about throwing to the tight end and play action Penn State used to play action throw to the tight end Play action, throw to tight end. And now you have to split Fryermuth out. You got to get them on a lucky bomb 60 yards down the field. There is no play action now. So he's got to get open and he's not exactly fleet of foot. So no. um, it's just problematic there. But James Franklin standing with his, his headset microphone up and his arms crossed like this when the offense is on the field is not a good sign that he and Chirac are kind of on the same page there. Well, and again, all he has to do is tip the, the microphone down and pretend to be talking. Right. People will be less critical. They really will. You know? Yeah. It's so stupid. It's not going to help anything. Remember Brady Hoke and not wearing a headset? Right. Or a coat. That, too. I hated that. <laughs> that was, so that was his whole problem. That's the reason he sucked as a coach. So, I mean, even if you know you're not doing anything, you got to sort of fake it so people will pick on you for one last thing. So, yeah. let's get the microphone down. Let's, whether you're repeating nursery rhymes or whatever you're saying, right. you just mouth the words. But then there'll be some lip reader that says he's not saying anything real. But he, that, he has his mask on, so you can't even tell. That's true. With the I mask like the guys on, that put the, take... I like the guys that put the uh, headset inside their mask. Yeah. Because yeah. then you really don't know what's going on or what's moving. No. But also, yeah. try listening to that guy. <laughs> breaker, breaker. Breaker. <laughs> You got it. Got it, coach. We can't even do TV because we're in the middle of rankings meetings, so we're taking a break from these really fun rankings meetings. Can't even really do TV. Um, no, we got to go. We got to go. We can't even show one of my helmets. This Look at the time. Yeah, I know. We're late. Yeah. So let's get out of here. And get back to our rankings meetings where we can make everybody happy. See ya. Okay. See ya.